Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to Food for Thought. And what is Series 4? I can't tell you how grateful I am for your continued support. I've been completely overwhelmed by the millions of you tuning in, all of your positive reviews and having read every single one of your suggestions as to what remains confusing in the world of wellness, I've never been so excited to bring what I believe is the best series of Food for Thought yet. Research increasingly shows that the balance and diversity of our gut bacteria is key to everything from getting a good night's sleep to maintaining a healthy weight and even keeping colds at bay. In fact, more than 60% of our immune system is found in our gut, demonstrating just how important it is to optimize levels of good gut bacteria. Bimuno is a high-fiber food supplement that balances your gut bacteria, feeding and stimulating it to encourage its numbers to increase. You can think of it like a fertilizer, helping the garden that is your gut to flourish. Bimuno is a taste-free powder that fits into your daily routine. Simply add a sachet to any drink, stir, and start feeding your good gut bacteria. Visit bimuno.com and enter the code RETRITION at the checkout to get 10% off. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Nearly every single client I see longs for me to wave a magic wand or prescribe a miracle pill. In fact, almost 50% of Brits have tried to lose weight in the last couple of years, and of those who have tried, a staggering 64% say they're in a state of constantly trying to lose weight. There is an endless influx of extreme weight loss products hitting the market, and although these quick fixes may sound exciting and hopeful, they are notoriously hard to maintain. Shockingly, it's estimated that over half of the people who try dieting put more weight back on than they started with, and the percentage of those who can keep the weight off for more than five years is in single figures. Clearly something isn't working. So joining me is registered dietitian Priya Chu from BBC's Eat Well for Less series to discuss why it's so important for weight loss to be achieved in a healthy and sustainable way and why it isn't all about calories. Hello, Priya. Hello. Hi. Um, 
I don't even know where to really start with this topic. I think we should probably delve right in with the dreaded skinny tea products that are marketed all over Instagram. Why is it so important that people stay away from them? These products just drive me absolutely bananas. I mean, they are just everywhere. They're even on my Facebook feed being advertised to me. And I'm, yeah, it just drives you nuts, doesn't it? So we all know that tea is something that is absolutely fine to drink. It's got flavonoids and it's got powerful antioxidants in it. They can have benefits in terms of your heart health, your blood sugar control and your cognitive cognitive function. Mm. So, you know, specifically green tea has actually got claims behind it. But that's normal tea. So these teas, which are teetoxed, where they've got herbs and spices added in and marketing claims alongside them, generally don't have a leg to stand on. So maybe there are things like laxatives added in or added stimulants. I mean, that's really worrying, isn't it? Because I remember when I was looking into them, um, a client of mine was working on a documentary with I think it's BBC Radio 4, they were doing this feature. And she said that she was taking it and her bowels were just completely destroyed. She was excessively using them. Mm, And that's one of the issues. People think, well, if I take a laxative, it's going to mean I lose weight, which isn't necessarily the case. It Mm. is going to affect your bowels and your digestive function. That's not necessarily going to lead to weight loss and Mm. definitely not long-term weight loss. No, because I guess the number on the scales, I mean, let's look at it realistically. If you're taking a laxative, you're just pretty much emptying your body, but in a very harmful way, rather than burning body fat. That's right. And most people who actually want to lose weight, what they're after is losing body fat, isn't it? They're not just after getting rid of their meal. No, and there's no, I don't think there's any really robust studies or research behind these, these tea products. No, from what I know, there isn't. And the elements that they're adding in there's maybe a shred of evidence there but it's certainly not got substantial backing to make any proof that it's going to aid weight loss no so I think really importantly for anyone listening they may seem so appealing and like like a miracle effectively but a lot of people promoting them are obviously paid a lot of money to promote them and it's something that I think eventually hopefully will change in terms of advertising it would be great wouldn't it if you could only actually market things that do what they're meant to do I know That would save our jobs and our lives, wouldn't it? It would make our life a lot easier. So when it comes to extreme measures like this, which are essentially another form of a diet, um, as mentioned, we know that over half of dieters put on more weight than they've lost and they even started with. Um, Is this surprising to you? It's not surprising to me because it's a field I work in, but I do find that the people I meet are really surprised. Yeah. But... If you are a cereal dieter, it shouldn't really be a surprise for you because why would people go on diet after diet after diet if diets worked? Exactly. Yeah, that's such a good point, isn't it? Because I think the diet industry makes a lot of money. We, we should first of all perhaps clarify the difference that diet um, to Priya and I would probably just mean what you eat every day and what you do. But to so yeah. many people, the word diet may equate to restriction. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so people see it very differently. So Why does this happen? Talk me through the mechanism of the ups, the downs. So you've got somebody who starts out thinking they want to lose a few pounds. Mm -hmm. So they go on a restrictive diet, Mm -hmm. whatever diet that might be. It's going to mean that they will eat less calories. So they're going to lose weight. But generally, a restrictive diet is restrictive. So it's not just we're cutting a few calories per day. It could be that they're cutting half their calories. 
Yeah. Mm. So therefore, they're definitely going to lose weight, but they're going to lose it at a fast rate. Mm. So that's going to mean that fluid is going to be lost. Mm -hmm. And generally, people who see a few kilograms weight loss all in one go, that's because they're losing fluid. Yeah. And then potentially they're losing muscle mass. Mm. Now, we've just said that people who want to lose weight want to lose fat. They don't want to lose muscle. They don't necessarily want to lose fluid either. Mm. So you do get this weight loss, but then you're on this diet that maybe is half the calories that you should be having, and it's going to leave you hungry, isn't it? You're just going to be hungry at the end of the day. And so at some point, you're going to give in to that, and you're going to have to eat, and then you'll feel like you've fallen off the wagon. Failed. Failed. Mm. Diet has failed. So Mm. then, right, now I can go back and I can eat all my chocolate biscuits and have my glasses of wine and have all the things I wasn't allowing myself to have because I was on a diet. Mm. And then you end up putting on the weight, but your body almost gives you a bit of a protective reserve and you put on a little bit extra. Yes, because your body doesn't actually want you to ever get to that low weight that you were once at again. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the part that most people don't realize. And I see it in the clinic. And I'm, see, I know you also work with eating disorders, Priya, as well. And this can go into a very deep psychological battle, can't it? Like a binge restrict cycle for some. That's right, it can. Yeah, so it can be extremely worrying. So why is it dangerous to lose weight very quickly at once then? What can this actually do to the body? If you're losing a large amount of weight quite quickly, then it can upset the electrolytes in your blood. Mm. So we're going to see your levels of things like potassium and maybe phosphate and magnesium coming down really low in the blood because all of those electrolytes are being taken into the cells where Mm. they're needed by the body. That may sound okay, but actually a knock-on effect of extreme weight loss could be it can affect your breathing and your heart function. Yeah, and people don't think of that. I mean, if you're looking at your heart as a muscle, surely if your body... I mean, this is a very extreme case, but we know for some people, if they're extremely restrictive, Mm. doesn't your heart muscle get a bit smaller as well? Well, if you're losing muscle mass, Mm. obviously we're already going to think about arms and legs. Mm -hmm. I'm losing a bit of muscle, okay, my biceps might get a bit smaller. But we've got muscle all over the body, so ultimately, yes, the heart muscle can get smaller and shrink as well. And what about the term that's often thrown around that I think is good to clarify of, of, oh, your metabolism's slowing down? Yeah. Can we chat about that a little bit? Explain what happens here. So your metabolic rate can come down. That's not necessarily going to happen if you go on a two-week diet. But if you're going on something long-term and it is very restrictive, then your body's going to need to conserve its energy. So when it realises it's not getting enough energy coming in and it's struggling to maintain all of its functions, it's going to think, well, what is not so essential? And maybe that will be, okay, I'm not going to blood, I'm not going to pump blood all the way to the end of the fingers and all the way to the toes because that's Mm. not as essential. Mm. I'm not going to use this part of the brain because it's not as essential. So overall, the functions start to dwindle within the body and the body's going to find as many ways as possible to conserve energy which means your metabolic rate will decrease yeah no I think um, it's one area where it's very overlooked in the diet industry because it's a false promise isn't it they lose it very quickly and think oh well I'll just go on that diet again next year or every summer the same thing I hear stories constantly if I'll go and do a juice cleanse retreat 
every year, every quarterly of the year, <laughs> just yeah. to make myself feel better and lighter. But actually what's happening is you're, you're probably not helping your body long term at all. No, long term. I mean, the evidence we've got long term on diets and mm. people who go on these cyclical diets is that it doesn't work. No, because so, you just keep putting it back on. Absolutely. So we want to be looking for something long term that mm. does work. So what is the healthy um, recommended amount to lose if people are looking at losing a bit of body fat? How much is recommended? It's one to two pounds a week. Yeah. Okay. Which is definitely not what's sold on the front of a lot of products that you see. <laughs> no, no. And it sounds really small, doesn't it? Mm. It really does. But when you think we've got 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. And if you were to lose that week on week. Yeah then that is going to add up quite substantially. And for those of you that don't work in pounds, it's around like 0.5 to 1 kilogram if you, if you do kilograms. But why, why is that? Why is it that it has to be this smaller amount? That's because firstly, we want to not be losing large amounts of muscle mass and fluid. Mm. You might get that initially. So it is okay, for example, if you had a larger weight loss to start with and then went to your 0.5 to a kilo a week, that yep. would be okay. Yeah. But also we want to have this being a sustainable thing that the body can understand is going on. So I sometimes relate to the body being a toddler because I have three children and I yeah. currently have a toddler. <laughs> and bodies like routine, they like to know what's happening, they like to feel safe. And so if the body is almost told, right, we're going into weight loss mode, but we're going to do it in a safe way, mm. so you will be okay, it's more likely to go with that. Yeah. Oh, I love that analogy. I think we should all look at ourselves like like our inner child or try and treat ourselves a bit kinder, I would yes. say. <laughs> we don't treat ourselves kindly enough. So many people also believe that perhaps through diet, and I think maybe the fitness industry is a big area here where this has been brought up, that weight loss is simply a case, and this is a bit controversial, of calories in versus calories out. What is your view on this? I personally think it's quite simplistic. Yes. So, yes, there is a large element of truth in there. And if you had somebody who was on 2,000 calories a day and you cut them down to 1,000 calories a day, they are absolutely going to lose weight. Yes. No questions. However... There's many other factors that come into weight. So we've got to think about the other biggie, which is obviously how much you move and your activity mm -hmm. levels. Mm -hmm. And then we've got environmental factors and we've got things like sleep and yeah. stress levels that yeah. all come into play and can affect your weight as well. And it must be different for men and women. Yeah, Hugely definitely. with hormone fluctuations. I definitely see that it's much, oh gosh, I'm so sorry for the women listening, but it seems to be so much easier for men to stick at something or a goal like body fat loss than for females. Is that because of our cycle, do you think? It is easier, isn't it, for men to lose <laughs> yeah. weight? It, it just is. But they're built differently they to are. us. So they're not built to store as much body fat. No. We're made to have babies. I feel like we're trying to fight evolution all the time. <laughs> and it's not, I don't think it's very fair, actually. I think society, and this is something that it's good to have this conversation surrounding it, that weight loss doesn't always equate to happiness and health. Mm. And an aesthetic-driven goal isn't always the best thing. And I think especially for females, when we're adapted, like you just said, to have babies and store fat, we're not all meant to look the same and have ripped, no. ripped abs and teeny, teeny body fat. 
I'm not sure any of us are no, meant to have ripped no. abs, to be fair. <laughs> um, no, it's just genetics, isn't it? I think a lot of the time how you can look. So what is your view on calorie tracking apps? Oh, <laughs> now I'm coming at this. So other people would definitely disagree with me, but I'm coming at this from the client groups that I see and mm-hmm. that I work with, which is largely people who are struggling from a disordered eating and or from an actual full-blown eating disorder. Mm. And as an example, I've got a client who I'm working with at the minute and she realised that her Fitbit was becoming a problem to the extent that if she didn't meet a certain number of steps a day, she would not be able to go to bed till she had. Mm, So I definitely see that activity trackers can have a negative consequence to them. Mm -hmm. But I also think for some people, they can have a really positive knock-on effect. Yeah, well, we've got um, some data that says in a 2018 report that one third of UK women didn't know how many calories they ate in a day anyway. So it was actually quite useful for them to start and have a look and then take it from there. But as you've said, I think it depends on your predisposition to your relationship with food and the psychology you have surrounding it. Yeah. So it depends on the reasons why you're doing it. And I think it's really key to track yourself. You know, so what impact is it having on me knowing how many calories I'm eating and how many steps I'm doing? Mm. What does that do to me psychologically? And then how does it make me want to approach the next day? So do I now feel that if I don't meet X number of steps that I failed and that I suddenly have to do it and make it up? Or can I just be a bit more relaxed about it and say, okay, well, I wasn't as active today, but that's all right. I can be a bit more active tomorrow or, you know, over a week Mm. things might balance out. Mm. So I think your attitude and the way that psychologically you approach things is quite key. Yeah, it's extremely key. Um, On the other flip end of the spectrum, you can get some people that feel they have to make up the calories in food if they don't see that perfect number every day. And I've witnessed that in my clinic where actually the quality of the diet is forgotten about and it's just a case of hitting macronutrients, so hitting a protein target every day or a fat target rather than thinking, does my body need this right now? Yeah. So I think we've almost lost sight of how to individually support ourselves. I think we've also lost track of how to enjoy food to some extent and just enjoy food for the sake of its food and it's delicious. Yeah. And there's become this real big focus on what is in food and making sure that you meet certain targets. Mm. And yes, that has a role and that can be important. It's so key to have a balance in your diet and be educated about what you're having to eat. But also, it's perfectly fine to go out with friends and enjoy yeah. a lovely dinner just because you oh, like it. I couldn't agree more. It's almost as if we're trying to override the innate fact that we're meant to enjoy food. We have taste buds for a reason. Yeah. And I'm constantly saying, if we didn't enjoy food, we wouldn't really want to eat and we couldn't survive. We need food to survive, so we might as well enjoy it. That's I think right. there's a good balance to have there. So it is important, as you've mentioned, to emphasise that weight loss is multifaceted. You know, there's so many different areas that can be involved here. So could we touch a little bit on maybe the price of food? I know you've done a lot with the BBC on a programme looking at how cost can affect how well you eat, maybe time, ethics. Yeah, cost is something that I come across almost on a daily basis. There's always somebody talking about I can't eat healthily because I can't afford to. Um, And there's certainly been 
lots of work done around showing how you can eat a healthy balanced diet on a budget and that is very much true but I think if you go all the way down the other end of the spectrum to people who really are living in poverty then the choice between buying a packet of biscuits or a bunch of bananas is always going to be the biscuits are going to keep Mm -hmm. your children full up Mm. longer than a banana is so it depends where on the spectrum we are Mm. with things but very much if you're somebody who's kind of in that middle patch where you're thinking I haven't got lots of money to spend on food but I do want to eat healthily then you know doing things like buying more frozen foods rather than fresh is always going to save you money there are definitely ways to do that and to Mm. counter it no I, I completely agree I think we need to be much more considerate and understand that people come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different um, economic situations in yeah. life, and that no one's perfect. I think there's a, there's a lot of um, kindness that's definitely needed there. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So what about convenience foods? Mm. Because I think times have changed where you can get some pretty good options now, can't you? But there's still the whole we are consuming too much salt and sugar in general. There are definitely some better options coming out on the market, which is brilliant, even in the cereal aisle And when we're looking at things like cereal bars, there are definitely better options coming out. Almost every day it feels like there's another new product out there and I kind of get it flagged up to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks really interesting. There was one yesterday. Um, But ultimately, the less you can rely on convenience foods and the more you can make things yourself, Mm. the better it's going to be. Yeah, There's this real balance, isn't there, between encouraging people to make everything from scratch now there's no way you can make absolutely everything from scratch I don't think it's possible no but there is that out there people are saying everything has to be made from scratch you need to eat real food and it needs to all be unprocessed which I find that very scaremongering as well for lots of people because then they panic if they feel they're not good enough yes and ultimately a tin of tuna is processed yeah 
Yeah, so, and chickpeas, you know, you name it. It's it's all been handheld by someone else. <laughs> absolutely. So we have to find that balance between making as much as you can yourself, but also not being scared to use some of these convenience foods and some processed food, yeah. but knowing how to read the label mm. and maybe how you can make that food more nutritious by adding something alongside it. That's really good advice. So I think for people listening, we did a podcast with Jenny Rosborough on um, learning to read labels, which is a good ah, reference there. Which good was, old Jenny. Yeah, which was really good because I think people don't realise how much hidden things can sometimes be be in their products. And we also discussed genetics with Giles Yo. Do you come across a lot of genetic differences in your line of work as well with people's food preferences? There definitely seem to be different types of eaters. Yeah. I should have brought my eight-year-old. She's great yes. on this. So she's all into <laughs> tasters and super tasters and people that like bitter food and all that kind of thing. Um, so, yes, there's definitely camps of people, aren't yeah. there? There's yeah. kind of the people that like to eat sweeter foods. There's mm-hmm. people who definitely prefer saltier foods. Yeah. And there's also, I find, people that seem to like three meals a day. Yeah. And then people who like to graze. Yeah. And it seems to be a built-in preference. Yeah. This is why no one size will ever fit all. No. That's individualized. The, yeah, that's the key point there. So it is estimated that we found here that one in every two women who are not overweight has tried dieting. So at what point should someone actually be looking to lose weight? Oh, now that's a really hard question. Mm. I would say on the one hand, do you need to be losing weight? Mm -hmm. Um, If you think you do, what are your reasons? Is it because of how you look? In which case that could be valid or it could be that you need to do some acceptance work around body image or is it for a medical reason Mm. and I think if it's for a medical reason then yes Mm. yeah I I think it's a very um it's a very interesting time in terms of the world being full of extremes so we tend to focus on people being either underweight or overweight and we don't really Mm. think about the in-between and like you've just said it's perfectly valid for someone to want to lose weight it's their choice really isn't it yeah so I think we have to respect choices but if someone is to go about doing that we all have a set point don't we yes so how do people figure that out I if I'm working with somebody the way that I would help them think about their set point is go all the way back to childhood and then think around what their weight was at certain points in life And, you know, maybe it might be when they got their exam results or maybe when they're at a certain point of their schooling or when they got married or they met somebody or a relationship ended and actually think through, what did my weight do Mm. when I was happy? What did my weight do when I was sad? And were there points where my weight kept coming back to a certain figure? Mm. So I know for me personally, I was around the same weight when I got married Mm. as after every single child. Ah, so that's your body's natural. I'm happy and healthy here. My immune system loves it. (laughs) That's right. So I have a range of maybe three kilos and that's where my body likes to be. Mm. And if I go below that, people tend to say to me, you don't look so good. Yeah. It's really interesting. People can just instantly pick up. Yeah. Yeah. I think the body's a fascinating thing. It's so interesting. So if someone wants to do weight loss sustainably, what would be your top tips to give to someone? My top tips would be to 
think about your portions. Yeah. I think rather than calories, it can be useful to maybe track your calories every now and again, just from the point of interest. Mm. But then getting away from calories and thinking, right, what am I actually eating in my day and what's on my plate? And using something really simple like your hands as mm. your measure rather than weighing everything out because that can again lead down that track of disordered eating if we're not careful. Yeah. So portions would be my number one. And then balance. So, you know, it's really simple, isn't it? But we just can't <laughs> seem to grasp the fact that if we can eat a balanced, varied diet, then we're going to be giving our body most of what it needs. Yeah, it's it seems to... It really does fascinate me that people are out there making so much money selling restrictive kind of guides. Like, oh, let's take carbs out completely and that will magically equate to weight loss. Or let's just do ketogenic diets. It's, but like you've just said, it is balance of everything. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the but quality it, of the diet. It just doesn't seem to be as fun. No, I think also um, it doesn't seem to be promising. It's almost harder to do something that doesn't seem restrictive. So many people are very all or nothing. So setting them that task of middle ground, that's one of the biggest struggles I find in the clinic. Because actually, you can have carbohydrates at dinner and that kind of shock on their face. Like, really? Can I? I'm like, yeah, let's just stick to a smaller portion than perhaps you had before, but you don't need to take them out. So it's quite refreshing when you hear that, I think, cause people think carbs are the devil. Yeah, yeah, there's, there is a lot of scaremongering that goes on across social media and mm. the media itself. Mm. And actually, when you look at maybe these studies that suddenly come out that say, you can't eat this because it causes such and such. Yeah. When you look at the evidence that, that, that is there, it's usually a one-off study that's quite often based on someone's observations rather than an actual yeah. evidence-based trial. I know. And this is where, like you've mentioned before, trying to think of something. I did this in Renourish, actually, in my book with the hand portions because it's not realistic for people to spend their whole lives, up until, let's say, you're 80 years old or plus, counting every day on an app what you eat every day. <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't seem like a very realistic way. And like you said, it's about what you put in those numbers. So there's a lot of talk at the moment with people saying, well, you could eat 100 calories of chocolate yeah. and 100 calories of broccoli and still lose weight just eating chocolate all day. But that's not really quite that simple again, is it? No, and that's a really good point. So you could set yourself a calorie target and then what does that really mean? So mm -hmm. if it's not balanced, you're potentially going to just be eating carrots all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I did have a lady fairly recently who was eating a lot of carrots, oh, gosh. Um, which turned her orange. Arms. Yeah. yeah, she had that carotene she went quite orange. Um, but you're also going to be lacking a lot of nutrients. Yes. Let's talk about common deficiencies you find when people take out whole food groups. So I think one of the ones that's quite well known about is... Um, omega-3 mm. so if you are cutting out oily fish and maybe you're cutting down on things that feel like they're high calorie high fat so nuts, nuts and seeds yeah. then omega-3 is definitely one that people can be lacking oh and we need that omega-3 for our brain and our heart health yes yeah. absolutely so important i think 
it then depends on what you've cut out of your diet as to what potentially you could be lacking in but iron is also one so where we've got this trend towards eating more plant-based and going vegan iron is something to always be conscious about yeah um, and then calcium. Calcium is one of my big ones. I'm always mm. going on at people. Make sure you're looking after your mm. bones. Have you got enough calcium in your diet? Yeah. And it's not just from dairy milk you can obviously get calcium, is it? It's important no. to get a varied diet because I think um, you mentioned so this before um, Priya came on the podcast. She has a fig tree in her garden. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're my favourite fruit. And figs contain calcium. They do. People don't expect certain fruits to also contain nutrients. And I think fruit is another food group that's very feared when it comes to weight loss. Yeah. Yeah, I think fruit is, and I think coming back to the calcium, I I did some research into this recently, and tofu was one that came up really high, mm. and I would never have particularly instantly thought calcium tofu. You wouldn't yeah. make that link. No. But with the fruit and vegetables, yes, they can contain lots, but also they contain oxalates, so you don't necessarily absorb it as well. There you go. And that's why you need to see a qualified health professional to help you to help you understand. So we've touched on exercise. We know we need to move. I think everyone knows it's important. But in relation to diet versus exercise, is one a little bit higher than the other in terms of importance? So there was some research out a while back that did show that exercise actually was more beneficial than diet. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Um. But personally, I think we have to be quite holistic in our approach here. So if you've got somebody who hates exercise and you're saying to them, (laughs) the best way to lose weight is to go out and exercise, they're not going to do it or they're just going to hate it and never stick to it. Yeah. So it's meeting somewhere where they're at and I think making some changes to your diet alongside some changes to your activity levels, maybe your sleep, Mm. maybe just your whole approach to your lifestyle, your stress levels. It's having that whole approach. Because you've touched on sleep and stress there. And I think we know that if you don't sleep enough, is it your ghrelin hormone is increased the next day? So you get really hungry. Yeah. And how does stress affect weight loss? So stress can affect different people in different ways. So you'll have people (laughs) who stress eat. Oh, I'm one of those. You're a stress eater. I am. (laughs) I'm kind of the opposite. Oh, I'm so envious. Because then your stomach's a bit better than mine would be. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to almost forget to eat. So if I'm really busy in my day... I'll kind of skip lunch if I'm not careful. I have to be really mindful about how I'm eating and how I'm looking after myself. So again, knowing what type of person you are Mm. and therefore how stress is going to affect you. No, completely. Um, So we've got just one more question on this bit there. So where are the red flags that people should look for when it comes to weight loss, like products or claims? Is there anything in particular people should kind of steer clear of? If it looks too good to be true... Then it is, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. So if anything is promising large amounts of weight loss in a short time, then I would steer clear of it. Yeah, no, 100%. And to add to that as well, unqualified advice out there. Yes. I mean, there's so many people that claim they're experts in weight loss these days. Mm. And celebrity endorsements. Okay, so celeb endorsements, too good to be true, the unqualified advice. Um, I think cutting out whole food groups should definitely be up there. Yes. Yeah, let's definitely chat that in. So who should people go for, Priya, when it comes to advice from health professionals on weight loss? If you're looking specifically at weight loss, then I would say if you can go and see a registered nutritionist or a dietitian. Yeah. That's not always going to be possible, though, if we're being honest. Yeah. 
So there are some personal trainers who have got some qualifications in terms of nutrition. Always be slightly wary of their advice, I would say, Mm -hmm. because there are along the spectrum some that are fantastic and some that aren't going to be as good. Yeah. So it's always weighing things up. Does this actually sound like something I can do long term and something that sounds sensible and agrees with what some of the experts are saying? Yes. Yeah, that's a very good way of looking at it because I hear all sorts of stories. And like you, I know some wonderful personal trainers that have really invested in furthering their knowledge. But ultimately, when it comes to nutrition, if your PT is telling you to follow, follow a fad diet. Yeah. Or do extreme things. Probably not the best idea. (laughs) I think going to your GP, if you have a serious medical condition, please do that first as well. You know, you shouldn't be embarking upon any type of weight loss without checking things with your GP. So we have some questions from followers now as well, um, which you won't have seen. Now, Maurice has said, I feel like I get more bloated and heavier throughout the day when comparing to how I look in the morning. Um, Am I going mad? (laughs) No, that's a really good point. So if you weighed yourself in the morning and you weighed yourself in the evening, you would be heavier in the evening. There you go. Is that just because of what you eat every day? It's just because of what you eat and it's just how your body is designed to be. You'll be heavier in the evening than in the morning. Yeah, very, very good point there. Jane has asked, I've heard that starving yourself or exercising too much can put our bodies into starvation mode and it actually causes us to gain weight as opposed to lose it. Is this true? So we've covered some of that, I think, in this podcast where we were talking about if you restrict it down to a really low amount, then yes, it can put the body into this red alert stage Mm. um, of almost starvation mode. So yes, there is some truth there, but that's not going to happen if you've just lost a few pounds. Yeah. Tabitha has asked, oh, I love the name Tabitha. Um, I'm trying to lose some weight and know that it's not mentally healthy to focus too much on weighing myself, but I can't help it. And I feel like it's holding me back. So she's stressing a lot. I know. What is a better approach? I think the better approach is to really start to tune into your body signals. So eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, focusing on really looking after yourself and getting a good balanced diet. Try and get rid of the scales if you can. Yeah, sound advice there. They don't always reflect the answers. I think some people can lose inches and not change numbers on Mm. the scales. Uh, Rebecca said, I feel like, oh gosh, Rebecca, I feel like since turning 25, my weight has increased despite my diet and exercise levels not really changing. Is this normal? 25. (laughs) No, I wouldn't say that's normal. Um, It's a case of really working out what else has gone on? So have there been some big life changes perhaps that have caused that? I, I definitely think that's good advice there. Um, yeah, 25 years old, you're still a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so this leads me on to my favourite part of the podcast and that is the fact or fiction round. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Stress makes us gain weight. Uh, fiction (laughs) we should put on more weight as we age fact eating after 6pm makes us gain weight fiction yes I'm really happy about that artificial sweeteners still cause weight gain fiction oh can we touch on that a little bit yeah yeah, so <laughs> I'm now thinking like my eyes are like, oh. I know, artificial sweeteners, because I think a lot of people think that they just cause weight gain. Yes, interesting. I'm not sure where that's even come from, that no, myth. No, no. They don't. So generally they 
won't contain as many calories in terms of comparing them to sugar they're not dangerous for our health otherwise why would they be allowed in our food yeah um and some of them are even very natural products if we're thinking like the stevia leaf for example there we go there we go supplements can help weight loss i'm going to say fiction good there are some medical (laughs) ones though skipping meals helps when trying to lose weight fiction Cutting carbs causes weight loss. Fact. Ooh, tell why. Why? (laughs) Well, if you cut out enough carbs, you would lose weight. Yeah. And it is actually used um, as a diet clinically. Mm -hmm. A low-carb diet is used. But it's not something that if you are a member of the public and you don't have that information, you should be doing by yourself. No. Because once again, it's probably the quantity of what you eat anyway, rather than the food group itself. Yeah. Skipping breakfast will help me to lose weight. Fiction. Juice cleansers can kickstart weight loss. Fiction. <laughs> well done, Priya. Some of those are quite hard because you think they could go either way. I think that's the classic thing about being an academic is that doing a fact or fiction round just is never clear cut. No, because I read something. I've been reading studies on breakfast this week, actually, and oh. it's quite um, inconclusive. Very, very controversial. So that nearly wraps up this episode. But as with every guest, we finish with a food for thought. So mine today would be that although fatty diets and weight loss products may lead, as we've discussed today, Priya and I, to some immediate weight loss, their impact on your mind and body is you know, that's kind of unknown. It's the long-term thing, the unsustainable diets and the unhealthy natures of quick fixes that can be quite dangerous and cause a yo-yo effect, leave you frustrated and often back where you started. Let me assure you that it really doesn't have to be this way. So instead of wishing for overnight success and opting for extreme measures, consider your path to healthy eating and an enriched mind and body as a journey where a basic nutritional education is key to taking the first step and staying on the right track. And I think as Priya said, it's enjoyment just as much as anything else. You have to enjoy your food. Knowledge is power, guys. It really is. And through some of the steps we've identified today, you're more likely to achieve a healthier relationship with food and keep your weight at an optimum level free of fad diets for good, we hope. (laughs) So Priya, if I could ask you to leave our listeners with one food for thought, something you think would benefit everyone, what would that be? I would say take some time to really get to know yourself So get to know how your body works. So what does it feel like when you're hungry, when you're full, when you're tired, when you're stressed? How do you react to those things? And therefore, how can you learn to really nourish and love your body in those times? That's beautiful. Wow. That's a really beautiful food for thought. Uh, Priya, I can't thank you enough for giving up your, gosh, invaluable time today (laughs) to be with us on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Food for Thought. It really is amazing to know there's such a craving to hear from expert voices in a world full of confusing advice. If you enjoyed this episode, you will absolutely love what's coming next week. So please make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please, if you have time, do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there to reach higher highs in the charts and hopefully help more and more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, 
please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 